Hey everybody, and welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we, three doctors of physical therapy, discuss the art and the science to the stuff that we're putting on our feet. Today, we are really excited to have Chad Holt join us from Saucony. He's going to be breaking down uh, what's been going on with Saucony in 2020, uh, which has been a really, in our eyes, successful year for them. Um, we're going to be breaking down the entire line from their staple shoes to the new endorphin line, um, learning a little bit more about Chad and then get, hopefully getting a little glimpse into the future. So Chad, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Excited to be here. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with Saucony and kind of what's your role there now? Yeah. Um, so the running experience is, has been, a, you know, it's a long journey for me. It started when I was you know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that age and started running track and, and just found that I was better, you know, if you took balls and things out of the equation, I was better at just straight <laughs> lines and, and turning left. So, um, you know, found like early love and success at running and at the same time, just paralleled that with uh, the love of shoes and started working in run specialty stores when I was 14. Um, oh, wow. The first couple of months, I was getting paid by shoes because um, I was Damn. too young to actually uh, take in a wage. Um, Where, which store was that? Where were you living at the time? Yeah, so I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. So that store was run in at the time. Um, okay. It was managed by a guy who uh, operates a different store now, um, Jeff Millman. But uh, it, it just was one of those old school independent like mom and pop running shops where you know they just cared about the runner and about the consumer uh, and just wanted to make them better and so for me getting a chance to learn and just learning about the sport of running you know all the best runners in the area came through there there's runners from from Clemson four minute milers guys that were mm. you know training for the Olympic trials and the marathon that lived in our upstate and I just kind of got to see all of them um, coming through the doors and and pick up some some different learnings. And then at the same time, um, my boss at the time was super passionate about tinkering with running shoes. And so that kind of sparked some mm -hmm. early, early learnings. Um, I moved on from that and worked at a fleet feet for a couple of years for four years um, and learned just a whole other side of the business, uh, which was really interesting. And then, you know, and that was during, during college and running um, competitively at, at Clemson. And then uh, when I graduated, I managed a small mom and pop running shop in Virginia. And that's where I really got to see like how the business side of things worked and learn about buying and, and events and understanding just sort of the back ends of, of running rather than just what's happening at the, the foot and shoe level. But yeah, it's well, fun. I started with Saucony probably in 2015 and been with them for five years. Um, nice. I've done a couple of years in field marketing um, down in Atlanta and then moved up to Boston um, almost three years ago and have done a one year working in our biomechanics lab, uh, managing our fit and wear testing, and then mm -hmm. about two years um, in our product marketing team working on on the products that we develop. So that's been fun. That's pretty, your, your experience is pretty vast in terms of this, the size of the running shoe and running industry and your experience with it. That's valuable. I'm sure that's super valuable for your team. I don't know if you'd be willing to say that you seem like a humble guy, but that's uh, you probably bring a lot to the table for them. It's, it's a different perspective. I mean, you get humbled a lot and in terms of running, like it's, it's not like other sports where, you know, you can have, three guys on the soccer pitch 
and they may be at very various degrees of skill levels, but it's really hard to tell unless, you know, they're moving without the ball and you, you're seeing just sort of their motions and what's happening. You're really keen eye for the game. Whereas in running, there's a time and a clock and distance and one person's going to win and you're going to know exactly how far ahead of them than they are. So quickly learn where you are in the pecking order and, it's just it's such a humbling sport it always keeps you eager to get better but it also lets you keep your mind in check and you kind of think about that as you go through everything with with life and just sort of apply that sort of mindset mindset to it um yeah you, you get to see a lot of different things in running and you you graduated from clemson yep so did you uh did you slash do you follow their their football team <laughs> i mean they're like amazing so yeah, they, um, you know, running track there in cross country um, track, a lot of the athletes ran track as well. Um, and at yeah. least they weren't quite as good. So their, their coaches <laughs> allowed them to do multiple sports is probably not the case anymore. But it was really fun because you get the brush shoulders with guys that would be NFL players and, and right. learn just, you know, their work ethic and just get elevated to a whole different realm. And we weren't nearly as good as we are now when I was in school. Uh, that was just kind of at the very beginnings of, of sort of our, our upswing, but it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun watching the team do well. Yeah. yeah I went to, I graduated, I graduated from Wisconsin, uh, Madison to the Badgers and I, <clears throat> I was not an athlete there. So I didn't regularly rub shoulders with those guys, but just, I was walking to a hockey game one time and I, I had to stop at the stoplight and like Russell Wilson's walked right in front of me and stood there. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then he's just like a college kid, just like me, you know, but yeah. too, I was too scared to say anything, but anyway, that's off topic and not important, but uh, <laughs> you, you may have touched this already, but when it comes to just running in general, um, do you have a favorite running memory or kind of what you love most about running? I, yeah, I, I love I love to battle. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just that that period where no matter you know how good you feel or what your fitness is, you can just take it to the max and you can just punish yourself and and, and get that taste of iron and, and metal and in, in the mouth and just feel the uh, the endorphins pumping and you know taste the lactic acid and and that's just that to me just hits the sweet spot. Like when I've hit that point um even now like i'm out of shape and don't run nearly as fast but i love spending a day where i just punish myself and get to you know kind of think about the glory days and what it was like to run fast back, back <laughs> in my now i'm happy if i'm faster in my eighth grade self so <laughs> i have a quick question so if you love punishment and running and that feeling of lactic acid do you have a favorite distance to punish yourself at half marathons probably i think mm -hmm. the the perfect combination of just really far but also you you're running fast um i'd love to to really train i've been hurt the last couple of years but i'd love to you know kind of get back focused and and go after a, a half marathon pb in college, I was a 5K, 10K runner, um, so you got used to to the grind, and you quickly learn. I was doing workouts with a teammate of mine who was a really fast um, All-American, and and it was my freshman year, and we were doing this workout. It was 1,200, 400, and so it was a 
six miles total. Um, you do a 1200, you get 60 seconds recovery, and then you do a 400. And the 400 was supposed to be around 63, um, under 65 at least. And then the, the 1200 was somewhere around like five minute pace. Yeah. And so you finish the 1200 and you get a short break and then you're just going all out. And remember my coach was just like, Chad, you're just going to do the 1200s <laughs> for now. <laughs> because <laughs> Running 60 seconds or 63 seconds after going, you know, that fast and doing it for that long, it's just another level. And I, one of the things that just amazes me so much is when you see guys like Kipchoge um, running and I try to comp- try to, you know, explain to other people, family members, friends, whatever it may be, like how fast he's running and to give them an idea. It's like, like the, like you guys may think that I'm a great runner or whatever, but like the fastest I've ever run in my entire life, like comes down to a fraction of what he's doing for the entire race. And like that just to me is, is unfathomable. So I loved the, uh, I forget which marathon expo it was at. It might've been the Chicago where they had a treadmill at his mar- at Kipchoge's marathon pace. And you had to, people would try to run on it as long as they can. And it's just people going for like five seconds and then, you know, falling and bouncing off this treadmill. Um, yeah. I think it was like a soft uh, treadmill, but it was off. awesome. Mohar actually fell off the treadmill when he tried it. So. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> that like, oh, that's yeah. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> awesome well chad let's uh let's dive into some to all things Saucony recap so let's go through kind of what 2020 has been all of us on our team agree that uh, you guys had a phenomenal year contention for kind of the best of of any of the major shoe companies out there with the new stuff that you put out and just the updates um, but we want to start kind of with the new stuff which really centers around the endorphin line the endorphin shift pro and speed but let's just start with how did you guys come with the name Endorphin and, and where did that get inspired from? You meant you said the word once today, so it's probably yeah. a little bit of inspiration, but um, where did that come from? Well, you know, it's, it's no, um, you know, surprise or mystery to most people that, you know, when you run, you know, part of the chemical reaction that happens with your body is you have endorphins that run through and, and can kind of help to sort of, you know, calm certain parts of the body to allow you to run more efficiently and channel the blood flow to the right areas. Um, but one of the things that was interesting was we had named a spike and racing flat in our track line, the endorphin before this. And it was kind of our distance spike, like 10 K or, or our 5 K 10 K uh, racing flat. And it was just a, a really great shoe. It just, it spoke to the, the, the 10 K guys on, on our team, like Ben true was a big fan of that shoe. Um, it's the flat was just, just incredibly lightweight and just felt really great. And as we went through um, sort of the naming conventions of, uh, of the en- endorphin collection, I mean, we were first, you know, discussing the pro and kind of where that would go. And it just, we discussed, you know, does a family up with Kimvara? Is is this in that space? You know, that being a staple model in the line, but it just it seemed like a different animal, and uh, we ended up coming back to Endorphin, and eventually it became this whole collection that came out of um, the idea of one shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, kind of fortuitously, um, if you think, if I think back on it, but it seemed to work out nicely, and it kind of has a nice uh, 
sort of just explains itself by just reading the name. Like, you know what you're getting when you get into the pro version that's going to give you some endorphins. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, just with the versatility of the endorphin collection, because I think back to the original endorphin spike and flat, like you were saying, and the versatility of that shoe was amazing. I mean, it was like a three ounce, four ounce shoe. And I knew people that raced 1500 in it. And I knew people that raced 10 K in it. And yeah. yeah. And it was a shoe I was always dying to put on my feet, but um in college and you run with what the school gives you so i never really you know <laughs> never did <laughs> yeah we actually i moved up here and one of the first races i did was uh, gosh i'm like the ipswich half marathon i think um but my buddy wanted me to pace him to a pr and he's like he's like chad give me the lightest flat that you have and i was like i've got this one the endorphin but i don't know if you want to race a half marathon and it's pretty thin um, and <laughs> so this shoe is, I, I believe it's four ounces and has a super, uh, breathable, um, kind of mono mesh upper. And then it was, uh, the ball of the foot was our Everrun material and it was zero drop. And so it just had a, a few millimeters of Everrun in the forefoot, which that material was substantial enough to give you enough, uh, dampening and protection as you kind of hit the ball of your foot. But a few middle millimeters of any foam doesn't leave a lot of space for protection from the rocks and the breeze over a half marathon so he was pretty beat up towards the end and he, <laughs> oh, he did it all the time now yeah but he ran a pb so that was, that was i was proud of him that's okay. awesome give a shout out to the endorphin racers that i i am one of those guys who love those super minimal she was like the mizuno wave universe was one of my favorites and it disappeared i discontinued it the endorphin racer was able to replace that really well and i was always really impressed with that shoe but obviously as the market changed, right? So the endorphin series has shifted, but you guys did a good job with that. I know Ben True really seemed to like that one as well, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's line, I'm glad that line has continued. I'm also yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see sort of how. I'm super impressed. Ahead, I'm super impressed. Anybody who ran a half marathon in the endorphin racer, <laughs> five k was the max they would take that to, but that's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you, you know, people do different things in different shoes. Like, I remember my first marathon, I was dying. It was Pittsburgh. And I don't know if you ever run that course, it's super hilly. And yeah. the last like six miles is just, it's all downhill, but it's just like this rolling up and down. And this guy, I was running pretty fast and it was like mile 22. And, and this guy in uh, five fingers comes just blazing by me. <laughs> And I remember just being in such pain and I looked at him and I was just like, man, you've got to be hurting so much. But, you know, the thing is, is that, that runners and, and people, you know, every, everyone's biomechanics, everyone's running gait and their idea of what pain and comfort is just different. And, you know, if someone's able to run a 5k or a half marathon or 50k and they're barefoot or they have, you know, two inch high stilts on you know if they're running and they're happy and they're healthy you know more power to them because that's mm -hmm. that's what it's about that's the whole reason why we make shoes and it's mm -hmm. you know just if we can further their running career and their ability to stay healthy that's, that's the goal yeah i'd like to reiterate what you just said which is along the lines because we get people all the time asking us should i do a minimal shoe should i do a maximalist shoe and I just want to reiterate and kind of summarize what you just said. Going, it, you have to find what works for you. Is there are 
different people respond differently to different types of shoes. Some people are going to work super well in the, like if, if you're a competitive athlete that's racing, some people are going to do super well in these super cushion carbon fiber plated shoes. Other people are going to do better in these super minimal shoes like the type A or things like that. You just have to find what works for you. And there's one is not necessarily faster than the other one when you look at the individual because it's individual specific. I'm sorry, as a, as a uh, whole population, yeah, so of, the individual is where you'll see those differences. Yeah, and you know, they kind of go full circle back to the endorphin, endorphin collection when you know, that sort of mindset came into play a lot when, when you're looking at the creation and how it fits into the line architecture. So when we looked at the endorphin and, and the development of the pro, the whole reasoning for building that shoe was to make our athletes the fastest running shoe that we possibly could. And, you know, we, I, we feel that we've done a really great job with that. We've had success um, across the board with a ton of, um, you know, American records. There is a uh, Jared ran um, and got third at New York or third American. I think. But well, we just had some really great success. Molly um, Seidel placing second in the Olympic trials. Um, just, just tremendous things that have happened within that model. But when you look at the, the functionality between that shoe and the way it relates to all of our other shoes in the line, it's very different. And it's important to remember that, you know, your running experience for whichever run that you're doing, whichever, you know, whether it be an easy day, a long run, a tempo day, um, you know, whatever the, the tool is that you need for, for what the task may be, that's kind of how you look at it. And that's sort of what the endorphin collection became was, you know, we had this shoe that we felt had this special stuff and just, you know, we felt an energy and sort of a success around this and we thought how can it be delivered into an everyday um, model that's a little bit more approachable because you know not every runner is able to run in a shoe that's tuned to such high performance um, capabilities as the the pro is and yeah. when you get something like the endorphin speed that's you know the same build out but it doesn't have the carbon plate and now has a nylon plate it's a little bit more flexible the upper is a little bit more substantial. It holds the foot and keeps you a little bit more stable. Um, all of these things sort of come into play and allow the runner to have a different experience. And it's different than the triumph from the ride from, you know, the shoes that have been in the line every day. And it's just trying to find out what works for you on that specific day on those specific runs and knowing that it changes. Like one day you may be running great in the pro or the speed and the next day you may need to run in the triumph or, Maybe need to run in a shift or or a, a guide and have a little bit more stability. So it's it's kind of it's kind of nice. What, Chad, yeah. and that, that actually, yeah, Nathan, go for it. I was just going to say you you kind of touched on one of my questions. It's going to be how would you guys at Saucony? How do you differentiate? And one of the questions we get all the time is, you know, should I get the speed or should I get um, the the pro? And uh, and so. We, we talk about those things, but that's kind of what you were doing there is you differentiating kind of this is where it was designed, but it's also going to be so variable. Um, yeah. When you look at the pro, um, you know, it's a stripped down racing, racing experience. So the upper is super minimal. The heel counters thinner than, than what you see in the shift and then the speed, you know, it has a carbon fiber plate versus a nylon plate. So that plate's much more rigid and it holds that shape over a longer period of time. Um, you know, the foam stays the same. It's, it's, 
incredibly bouncy, but you know, the outsole rubber is not as thick as what we have on like the Triumph or, or ride or those everyday models, because you're trying to save weight. You're trying to, to, you know, shave down and, and create more efficiencies. And, you know, that's kind of what you're looking at as you look towards the speed, it's a bit more democratic. It's a bit more everyday, but yet it still has all of that DNA from mm -hmm. the pro. Um, I mean, down to the fact that we reuse the same geometry and shape as the bottom unit um, and deliver a really great running experience. Um, and then you get down to the, the shift, which families up into the lineup a little bit differently in that it doesn't have a plate in it, but it accomplishes that same stiffer forefoot geometry, that speed roll effect, but using a higher stack height of EVA. And we know that power run or EVA is a less flexible material than our beta films, our power run PBs or PBA materials. And when you reduce that flexibility, you increase the rigidity and that creates yeah. that speed roll sensation through the forefoot. So you're delivering the same sort of effect in terms of biomechanically, but you're doing it in different ways and in different geometries based on the specific needs of that shoe and how it would relate to the runner's biomechanics. Right. When you, you talked about speed, I was going to say the one commonality between these three is the speed roll technology. Um, and, you know, we've, I think we've written about this in our reviews, but um, can you just talk about what speed roll technology, our understanding of it was the geometry of the shoe and the way that the toe spring is whatever, but do, do you want to go into what the, what that technology actually is and how it's used? Yeah. So speed roll technology is really the stiffening of the forefoot and creating um, an increased toe spring. And that increased in, in bending stiffness or rigidity of the shoe allows it to act more as a lever and kind of reduce the, sh the stress of the body at certain places and apply it to kind of forward motion to get you off the ground a little bit faster and, and kind of move through that gait phase a little bit quicker. Um, and, and the goal is to reduce the overall stress or work that the body's doing. and allow it to translate to an easier running experience or a more efficient running experience. And so it's a combination of a, of a couple of things. Um, so the speed roll geometry does that and that it can act as sort of a level lever and get you off the ground a little bit quicker um, and sort of almost propel you forward. But then when you add in the high compliant foams and the high energy efficiencies of, of these foams, you really create a unique running experience. And that's kind of what we're seeing um, in these sort of super shoes or these, uh, these pros and these speeds and, and things of that nature. Um, but what we found with the speed roll is, is a really um, interesting learning to take and apply it to an everyday shoe and that mm -hmm. you can get it all the way down into the shift and have that, that relaxed or that more efficient, um, running sensation but in something that's more democratic and that you can use for you know every, almost every run and we're, we're talking about it now because we're you know discussing what the next shift is going to look like in the future and and it's we found a quote uh i'm not trying to think who it was but so i apologize i'm gonna give them recognition but <laughs> it was basically that every runner wants to run in the shift it's just finding out what works for you. So it's like you want to wear these speeds and these pros and, and have that, 
that super lightweight efficiency and, and these explosive runs, but it may not work for you. And the shift just happens to work for almost everyone, whether, you know, you're an elite runner and it's an easy day or, you know, Molly Seidel, she wears it like on a lot of her uh, just every everyday runs. Um, lately, she's been running in speed a lot more because she's she was tuning up for uh, for London. But um, just in that that interim where she's just a little bit more relaxed and just trying to take care of herself, like this has been such a great shoe because it creates a nice stable platform that stiffer um, speed roll effect re- reduces some of the stress, and then having that super high stack height creates a, a really nice dampening effect as you cut down the impact. Yeah. We'll go, but uh, later we get to say what our favorite uh, Saucony shoe was. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk more about some of these kind of moving forward. But um, we're going to, next we're going to jump to kind of what the updates have been. But does anybody have any last thoughts or questions on the endorphin line? I can see Matt's ready to speak. He's about jumping out of his pants. I was very interested and very impressed by some of the elements that you included into the shift, especially when it comes to stability as the industry stops, starts moving away from posting and things like that and looking for geometry, the what made you guys extend the heel counter down here? I loved it. I thought it was very interesting. And this was an everyday shoot for me as someone who generally needs a little stability. I did like 20 mile long runs. It had zero issue. And this was a very stable. I mean, you got the classes up with a kind of a, like a, a, the width is a little bit more, right? So it's a little more stable platform stiffer toe spring is great rolls forward but this was very interesting so i'm curious what what motivated you guys to bring this down this especially in this direction and externally yeah so there are kind of two reasons so the first was the shift is built on a four millimeter platform and the reason for that where the speed and pro are both eight is when you elevate the stack height so the shift is 38 in the heel and 34 in the forefoot and when you go to an elevated stack height, you create instability um, just based on the height. And when you increase the height and you also have a nice soft pillow underneath you, uh, that also increases the uh, instability of the shoe as well. And so when you lower the drop to a four millimeter, you actually center your body mass over more of the shoe in terms of you sit a little bit further back. And so you're more centered and you create a more stable or balanced platform underneath. And then when we introduced, we wanted to keep it a nice slim and sort of tailored look. So it didn't have like a ton of flare out from the top down. So it didn't look like this super bulky wide foundational uh, block underneath, but to still give you that cradle and that nice uh, stable platform. So everything moves forward. We had to look at the kind of top down stability is sort of how the foot responds above the uh that stack of foam so you have that rear external tpu piece that dips down a little bit on the medial side and then you have a nice little rubber wrap up on the the medial side as well and that just kind of plays together just enough to give you a little bit of a firmer medial side so it's not there to correct correct over pronation or to to like be this ultra structured shoe but it is there to just keep you nice and centered and sitting over the main platform of the shoe until you can get to that toe off and that's engage in that speed roll and kind of lead you off, off the, the front of the shoe. And ba- based on the current evidence, that's what's being suggested, right? So Ben O'Nig has done paper after paper after paper on this kind of stuff. And I think you guys did a wonderful job um, 
bringing that to light going, you know, we don't necessarily need to force the foot to go in a certain direction. The goal is to kind of just keep it centered for the most part and center where it wants to go and then get it off that, that toe off. So I, I really, this is very good. I was very impressed. And this is actually a contender for my shoe of the year. So I, I think you guys did a great job. And so I appreciate that. Also, yeah, it's a, it's a dark horse. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It doesn't get, I, you know, in, in some of the, the forums and, you know, circles of shoe geekery or whatever, you know, it doesn't get as much of the, of the love, but I mean, I, I thought you guys hit it out of the park with these, the stability mechanisms built into this. And when I first saw a picture of this shoe, um, and then someone told me the stack height and that it was as big as, I think more stacked than the Hoka, Hoka Bondi, um, shoe, um, I was like, no way. Cause it just, like you said, you didn't build it out. So it didn't look like that. It looked sleek. Um, and when I heard what the stack was, I was like, that's incredible that they, they made it even just aesthetically, you made it look the way it did with what's all put underneath. So yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. There's definitely some improvements that could be made to the shoe and some things that we can do to family it up more to the endorphin collection. Cause you know, Matt, to your point, um, you know, it doesn't get the love that the speed and the pro do on, on the forums and, and, you know, talking that everyday trainer or that recovery trainer or, or whatever, that's, it's not, it's not sexy. It's not what, you know, people are going to gravitate towards. And, you know, I know we're going to get into our favorite shoes at the end of this, but you know, the speed and the pro just deliver a really unique running experience that, you know, although there's carbon plated and there's plated shoes out in the market, um, you know, I'll be a little brand biased and say that, you know, ours delivers a different and very unique running experience. And, you know, I'll let the user determine if it's better or not than competitors, but it's a, it's, it's very fun to run in. Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's transition, uh, kind of going into updates, uh, you know, the last two years, not only have you introduced the endorphin line, but your base, I don't know if the right word is base models, your kind of mainstays um, have gone through a lot of changes too. You know, you've gotten rid of the ISO fit uppers. You've transitioned away from Everrun to the Power Run foam um, or Power Run Plus. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of those transitions, you know, both for the upper construction and uh, foam changes. How big are those actually? How much was just a name change? Um, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, you know, there were big updates uh, all the way across the board and it was a lot of, you know, internal struggle whenever you're moving from one technology to, to another, it's a, it's a big decision. Um, especially when you have overarching themes that run that across the line and ISOFIT and everyone were both of those. Um, but with everything, you know, we continue to take learnings, take cues from the consumer um, and our end goal is to make the runner better. And so if we can find a way to deliver that, that's, that's what we, what we want to do. And, you know, ISOFIT, you know, I'll start there. Um, it was a really cool technology. So when I first started looking at, at jobs, uh, when I was ready to move on from working in run specialty to wanting to work for a brand and start working, um, I really wanted to get into product development. I looked at brands that I thought were innovating and different in unique ways and Saucony had just come out with the zealot and the zealot was one of the first shoes to offer up isofit and nike had Flywire out at the time but there wasn't anything out there that 
covered the surface area and then allowed the adaptability that that the fingers of isofit did and in theory i just thought it was really cool and i started mm-hmm. running in the zealot and really enjoyed it and wanted to just i was like this is a brand that i want i want to work for because they seem to be thinking about the whole, the whole running experience rather than what's just happening at underneath the foot what's just happening you know when the foot's coming in contact with the ground rather than how is it all forming together and how is it all being utilized in one fluid uh fluid motion and i just thought this was was really revolutionary mm. and and so it was a big it was a big step to to move away from that because you know you have technology that you put effort and research and and development behind but um you look at you know how shoes are being made and you looked at can you deliver similar type fits and experiences without having to have you know the individual tabs have material advances changed and we, we felt that we were able to to do that while cleaning up the overall aesthetic of the shoe as well um and and still maintain you know the the adaptability in terms of the upper and the fit and we were able to do that with our form fit system um and as we kind of applied that learnings into the, uh, the, the guide 13 and the triumph 17, we saw success and, you know, moving forward, uh, we've seen with the triumph 18 and, and ride uh, 13 as well. It mm-hmm. seems to be fitting well for us. Mm-hmm. Is that the same, um, upper technology? I'm, I'm trying to remember, is that in the shift as well, or is it a little bit different construction? Yeah, it's in it's in the shift, and the idea is, it's kind of focusing on the foot and three sixty. So, um, you have your midsole, and then within Saucony shoes, you have a, a top sole and then a sock liner, and it's and then you have the upper that's applied, and it's how all of those relate together and adapt to the foot shape, and can the individual allow the shoe to adapt and work with their foot. Uh, and so, you know, through different engineerings of knits and, and uppers and, and allowing to provide stretch and flex in different spaces, um, we are able to kind of create the, the fit and feel that we wanted with uh, the form fit system. Yeah. I thought, and I thought overall, I know you guys may can speak to this too, but from my experience running in the shoes from this year for Saucony, the, uh, the adaptability of the upper, not just from like its stretchiness, but I think the way that you guys do think about how it interacts with the midsole underneath, you're not just throwing some kind of mesh on top of a foam. Um, it provides a lot of volume that can adapt to whatever type of foot kind of goes in there. Um, I see that even, even with the Endorphin Pro, but there's enough volume that it could either be for someone who may have like a higher instep or higher arch, or it could be for someone who's got a flatter foot and needs kind of a wider base. It kind of it, it did have a way of adapting to that. I found. Um, yeah. Sockney has always been known um, for having, you know, narrow heels, wider toe boxes. Um, and we've, we've had that sort of wider, more accommodating fit and, you know, whether it be ISO fit or not, we kind of moved into being a little bit more narrow, narrow and tailored over, you know, the previous uh, couple of years. And so kind of the induction of, uh, or introduction of form fit really allowed us to focus back on the fundamentals, focus on that last 10, 10% and really finesse the uppers to make them fit and, and adapt to the right um, foot shapes that we want for those specific class and models. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like a lot of people talk about midsoles and midsole technologies, but uppers is something that doesn't get as much love. And I definitely think you guys did a great job on that because that is something that I'm seeing consistently with both patients and people that I know is especially as people are trying to shift is it a variety of foot types are able to handle that upper, which is not super common because usually a certain population will work with certain shoes and not with others. And I've been impressed with the versatility of you guys, because you know, everybody, like I said, everybody, the soul, the carbon fiber, that's the sexy stuff, but fit is equally as important, right? That's, that's actually one of the determining factors of whether somebody's going to buy a shoe is immediately when they put their foot into it, right? How's it feel? And that's something I tell patients all the time, go, this should feel comfortable the second you put it on. And I think you did, you guys are the form fit does a great job, not just in the, in the endorphin line, but some of the other shoes do a great job of accommodating the different, foot shapes. And it's been very cool to watch that. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, it's, it's minimal, it's adaptive, and it's reinforced well enough to take pretty much anything you throw at it. So Saucony has been doing a great job with the uppers, like pretty much every yeah. shoe I've run in has been very impressive. So yeah. What, let's go into the uh, ever run to power run transition, you have power run plus in power run. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so Everrun was a you know great material. I mean, when you start looking at beaded compounds and and, and ETPUs, uh, you start to see the different uh, energy efficiencies that you're able to get from them, and that kind of led us down the path that led us to Everrun was you know high energy return foams um, and having this high durability and high flexibility. Uh, these materials just perform differently than what we've seen in the past of of standard uh, EVAs or even different types of blown PUs. But, you know, with all things, technology gets better and materials get lighter. And one of the things that we found with Power Run Plus was that we were able to deliver you know, the same type of energy return, but we were able to cut the weight of the material by 25%. So in the transition from the, the ISO 5, the Triumph ISO 5 to the Triumph 17, we cut the midsole unit by about 25% in terms of weight, but we added that back up to the upper. So when you look at the upper or the ISO 5, it was a really thin knit ISO fit that was, was really soft and just kind of like almost fit like a sock. Like it was, it was very thin and just sort of like adapted to the foot uh, which, which was great. But that type of consumer, when you're running on a midsole, that's a little bit heavier it felt like you you had this you know larger midsole attached to a thinner upper, whereas it didn't have this really nice balanced um, kind of mm -hmm. fluid fit, and that's kind of where the emphasis emphasis of form fit really comes into play is is delivering that overall balance top down so that the shoe works in unison together and it doesn't feel like a couple of pieces, and you know dropping the weight of the midsole while still maintaining that flexibility and adaptability to uh, the ground surfaces um, really, really helped with that overall fit and feel. And, you know, the Triumph 17 won editors to choice award for runner's world and was, you know, a hit for us. So uh, we've definitely seen the success in that transfer to Power Run Plus. I mean, most of the industry is moving to softer, more compliant type foams, um, lowering the density and cutting the weight of power of, from everyone to Power Run Plus uh, really, help to propel us into that that realm and help us maintain um, a competitive product in that field uh, and you know we're continuing to push so yeah hopefully we'll have some more innovations down the line 
Yeah. And I think another shoe that was a kind of a sleeper shoe too is the Ride 13. Um, that was just to say it's just a pleasant shoe to run in and that doesn't have the plus foam that just has the power run but um everything about that shoe is also just a great update and really versatile i would say one of the more versatile ones that you guys put out this year too yeah when you look at like the shift for instance and it has the high stack height of power run foam and stiffer forefoot geometry the ride is sort of that complement to it in that it's it mirrors the same sort of setup where you have a nice chunk of power run foam underneath. You have the top sole of that power run plus cushioning that's right up next to the foot. And then you have just, you know, a little bit more of a standard um, engineered mesh upper. But what's unique about the ride is that it has that, that more flexible forefoot and it just gives it that, that smoothness that you don't get from, um, from some of these shoes that have, have that stiffer geometry they really want to get you into that fast like get you off the ground and, and get you going to that next step whereas the ride just you know it's a little bit more versatile it lets you adapt with your gait and kind of run a little bit more more fluid uh, it just has a different feel feel to it but yeah, it, yeah it's been a really it's a workhorse of a shoe and the 13 has been a great update from the iso 2 and we expect more of the same with the 14 yeah all right, let's, uh, before we're going to eventually get into kind of the future of Saucony, but before we do that, uh, let's all take our pick. Um, Chad, you can start us off, I suppose. Um, you have the most experience with, with Saucony shoes. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite shoe that dropped from you guys this year from Saucony? Um, I mean, it's the speed. Like the, the speed is not just my favorite shoe from this year. It's not just my favorite shoe from Saucony or from any brand this year. It's probably my favorite shoe that I've ever run in ever. <laughs> it just, it checks the box on so many things. I mean, it's fast. It's, it's light. It's, it's responsive. It's, it's soft. I can take it for a 15 mile run and feel completely fresh the next day and not just totally trashed. I can go to the track and do mile repeats or, or quarters in it and, and it's fine and it handles the turns and, and does a great job. It's just incredibly versatile. It's been durable. I haven't had any, any issues um, yet, so to speak, but it's just been a phenomenal update. And I, I was so excited to run in the pro and to get the carbon plate plate. <laughs> and then, um, you know, COVID hits and no one's racing or anything. But <laughs> I still have used it a couple of times and done my own like five K's and time trials, but I still just like when you have, you know, just to be the spoiled running, running kid, like to have every running shoe at your disposal and to look at the gauntlet and be like, man, what do I want to run in today? Like I've got more miles and speeds than I do like five times mm -hmm. more than any other shoe this year. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good one. Wow. That's awesome. Who wants to go next? Uh, I can go. Um, so as far as 2020 goes, I'm actually going to go with the Endorphin Speed as well. And I, I really, really love the Endorphin Pro, and I do think it's a top-tier racer. But as far as my rotation goes, the Endorphin Speed's my favorite long-run shoe by far. And mm -hmm. so I've had several runs at 18 miles or more, including a 26-miler. 
And um, it's my feet have never hurt at the end of the run. I've always stayed fluid. I've closed some of those runs out pretty fast and it's responded every single time. And so as far as my rotation goes, I use the speed a lot more than I use the pro and I'm, I've been very happy with it. Matt, what you got? So, I mean, I've already talked about it, right? But uh, the close second, by the way, is the tr the new Triumph. The Triumph 18 really surprised me because I'm not usually someone who likes heavy premium trainers, and I actually was able to do workouts in that shoe thanks to the Power Run Plus. So that gets a really close second, but the Endorphin Shift, I think, was my really big um, favorite from Saucony this year. Just because of all the stuff I talked about, as somebody who needs just a little bit more stability, creating a max cushion shoe that doesn't feel like a brick. It doesn't feel like I'm running in a shoe box is a big deal on the shoe that I kept reaching for. So I think you guys did an awesome job. So this is definitely my, my favorite of the year. However, I'm a huge sucker for the Convara and I haven't tried it in a couple years. So I'm interested to see what that next one looks like. Looks like my, uh, my opinion might change the favorite one. So we'll have to see. I'm holding, I'm holding my hope up. <laughs> So many pairs of the original. I cannot. It was a, a, a long time. <laughs> All right. Um, I feel like somebody's got to say it, but it's also my favorite. So uh, the Endorphin Pro is my pick. Actually, my my second favorite was the Ride 13. Um, and I use that. I would use that one more than I do the Pro for obvious reasons. But um, when I was bringing the, the Pro through our testing protocols, um, I'll, I'll leave the other shoe unnamed because that wouldn't be fair, but I warmed up in one shoe, ran like a half marathon, um, kind of like trial at my marathon pace, goal marathon pace. And then I switched back into the other shoe and ran home. And that run home was awful <laughs> because just the experience that I had running in the pro was just so, um, it just felt effortless. Like it just rolled with you. Um, I loved the minimal upper. It locked down well. It just bounced really great, but not too not too much bounce, but it had this perfect amount of kind of just like propelling me forward, it felt like, and just that the roll. And uh, I didn't even feel like I ran 13 miles at all. Um, and that's, you know, for me, I'm not, I'm not this elite marathoner. I've only ran one marathon in my life. So to do that day, I did 15 miles. And for me to do that and have felt good, um, was was bizarre and so i just remembered getting done and just loving loving the experience of of that day in particular all the other things that i brought it through some of the shorter stuff in our protocol and certain speed targets and stuff was great too um but just how i felt and it, you know it's the same experience that you guys have talked about with the speed but just being able to get done with a run and not feeling beat up was awesome and then to have this contrast of this is a shoe and I, the other shoe that i was putting on to run home i really like and so when I put that back on and ran home in it, I was just blown away by how it felt after that. Um, that was a strange juxtaposition. So Yeah, that's one of the things like with the endorphin collection in general, is like the shoes have just a different energy about them. Like like it, they just want to go fast. They just have that sort of you put them on and, and it doesn't matter if you went out for like a 10 minute easy day, like you're going to start wanting to, to go a little bit faster. You're feeling that speed roll and you're going to have a mile that drops and you're going to be like, well, got to put the brakes a little bit here. It's getting quick. <laughs> totally. 
Um, okay, let's. Uh, here's our final question for you, Chad. And obviously, you have the the liberty, obviously, to say whatever you can or withhold what you can't say because it's about the future. So, um, kind of, what are the future plans for Saucony? Um, what can you tell us about what sh we should expect for 2021 and your goals for 2021? Yeah. So, you know, so Sockney's got a lot of, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, you know, we're consistently innovating and our goals always come back to the runner. And so we start there and, you know, if it's not making the runner better, if it's not improving upon the experience from the previous iteration, we don't want to apply that into our shoes. And, and we want to, you know, make sure that we're, we're keeping ourselves accountable and focusing on that. Our, um, our brand motto is uh, we exist to empower the human spirit at every run with every stride and every community. And if we think about that and what it means and you apply it to running shoes and you apply, you know, fundamentally like what you're doing when you make a pair of shoes, uh, as we go forward and we start innovating and we start looking at how it applies to the everyday runner, I think that's, that's where we're going to see some of the biggest gains. And so we, you know, we're taking some of the learnings that we have from, from speed roll, from, from the triumph, from power and plus, and hoping to apply them into some unique, unique models and unique um, applications that can create just some really fun running experiences. So, you know, 21 is going to be fun with a lot of color. Um, you're going to see some, some really awesome energy drops from speeds and pros. The Kinvara has a really fun update. Um, Matt, you'll be super excited. Some pairs will be coming your way in the next couple weeks here. Awesome. Uh, the, the ride gets a nice update. I think it, it pushes it a little bit further forward. Um, the triumph is going to be really solid, um, moving forward, just continuing and building on a franchise that, that needs just, um, it needs some consistency, you know, it just needs to make sure that it's, it's con continuing to check off the box for that consumer and that the consumer can trust in it, that it'll, you know, provide the energy returns and the fit and feel and the functions and benefits that they need, um. But yeah, we, we have some fun stuff coming out, um, especially as you start getting into the summer of next year. It is an Olympic year, um, so we'll have some fun colorways and fun styles as well. Plus, awesome. the, the second iteration of the Endorphin Collection will come out um, next summer. You'll have a year year on under the belt there, so you'll see some some new new looks and and feels of what Endorphin means. Fabulous. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, well, do you guys have any other final questions for Chad or Chad? Do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah, go ahead, Matt. I hope this is not an awkward question. Is <laughs> What'd you say? Is the, the Saucony fast switch going to stay, stay on board? Um, yeah, it's, it's staying on for a good little while still. Um, you know, then that kind of leads into my next question. If, if you guys were to play PLM and you get, were to have an opportunity to, um, to make one shoe from Saucony or to make one shoe better from Saucony, mm -hmm. 
what would you do? What route would you go? Which, which model, um, or, or would you, uh, create something new altogether? I love this question. I got to think about it. I didn't expect this. I would <laughs> go into a realm that has been changing drastically. And I would want to take a shot at the fast switch. And I would want to go, hey, there. I know this area is very small. Racing shoes in general are not very big. Um, and I know I should be said, the smart answer would be, let me take one of the trainers. But the fast switch has been an interesting shoe that I've loved for a long time. So I'd love to take that shoe and go, how can I still make something? How can we make something fast? It's accessible to a large part of the population that makes them go, I kind of want to try this but it still provides stability in a way that perhaps people haven't seen when it comes to speed. That would be something I would be interested in and go, nobody's really looked at, again, the, the concept of posts is, is changing. The concept of stability is changing. Can we, that, that population that still does like stability, can we provide them something very unique that still makes them go fast? But that's hard, again, because it's a very small niche market, and I acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, this is, that's a whole other debate and, and one that I'd actually love to pick y'all's brains on. But, um, you know, we've seen the transition from stability to neutral over the past 10 years. It's, it's completely flipped, where 10 years ago, we were selling 70, 60, 70% stability shoes out the door, and, you know, 40 30 percent of of neutral and now we're we're flipped the other direction and half the stability shoes are you know they're they're hardly considered stability shoes still um they're they're just kind of neutral cradles that are pushing you forward which which is fine the, the science kind of points that if your body can handle it then then that's the way that it should go uh, but i'm curious to see if if with the introduction of stiffer geometries, if with uh, the reduction of stability shoes and more people wearing neutral, if we're going to see an increase in injuries over the next couple of uh, years, and if we'll see that transition to a stable or supportive or or type of uh, mechanism that way. Based on history, David, things keep seem to come in uh, cyclic patterns. So I kind of expect us to head back that direction at some point. We'll, we'll flip around as has been done many times before. So we'll see. Yeah. But the evidence is very interesting on that. And it's not as clear cut as uh, people report. It is, uh, so you will probably see something switch around here shortly. Yeah. David, what would you say for uh, kind of, which shoe would you want to either develop or, or change? I've got two, but the the main thing, neither of these shoes I've run in for a long time. So when I was in high school, I almost always ran in the Saucony Omni series. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to love the versatility and kind of the do-it-all shoes. And so the Kinvara has a close spot to my heart as well, but I haven't run in that since probably 2015. So... Um, I would love to just take a crack at both of those, I think, because I just to see where they've come from there. And then to really kind of like with the Omni develop the idea of stability and creating a workhorse trainer that rolls well, but still maintains all the features you'd like in a stability shoe without being overly, I guess, blockish, you know, 
um, to use that kind of a word. And then same with the Canvara, how can we make it more responsive, nimble, and have some traction to get going? Because I remember it being pretty much an exposed EVA outsole, and I think it still is, if I'm correct. Um, so I think those are probably the two models that I would be the most interested in taking a crack at. Awesome. Yeah, and I, um, one thing that I think Saucony is unique to some degree in is that you guys check a lot of the boxes of, of types of shoes and types of runners. Like some companies stick with high drop shoes. Some companies stick with low drop shoes. Um, some companies stick with the high cushion or the, you know, minimalist. And you guys, honestly, right, you hit everything from eight to four millimeters. You hit your, you know, you have your eight millimeter drop shoes that have high cushion and high, like soft, you know, softer. And then you have your eight millimeters that are a little bit more firm. So it's, it's hard to kind of say, Hey, you know, maybe work into this direction because I think you guys do, um, you touch so many different pockets of runners because of the versatility or the, the variability between your different lines. Um, that said, I think when I, when I tested, uh, the, uh, shift and the ride, I remember coming out of those thinking they were really, they're like sister shoes for me. They seem so, so similar. And I think it'd be interesting to see the, um, probably see the shift move a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, the, it's a, such an interesting shoe, right? It, it's so, you know, you have so much stack underneath, but yet it's so stable. Um, but it made me want to go fast in it still. Um, and it'd be interesting to see that shoe maybe transition. I don't know if I wanted to, I don't know where I, I'm just thinking about this now. So this is all coming off the top of my head, but, um, having, having this shoe be a little bit, uh, more lovely for some casual stuff in some way. Um, because I feel like it just, it always made me want to go even on my, even on my long runs on it. And some of my kind of recovery runs, I just always wanted to keep getting up off the toe. Um, but that's Sounds also like maybe, the, I know that's the point of the <laughs> shoe, right? <laughs> working, yeah. So, so then maybe it's changing the, the ride. I don't know. <laughs> they, they just seem like sister shoes to me, um, which maybe is no. not a bad thing. So. No, that's a good point. Uh, Nathan, we actually, we've talked about that a lot this past year is, you know, when you have, you know, to your point, when you have a lot of shoes that are checking the boxes for a lot of different runners, there starts to be that sort of bleed over and from one model into the next. I mean, you know, you've got the, the ride that's, you know, eight millimeter drop, moderate stack height power run shoe with a power run plus topsail and the shift is a higher stack height power run shoe with a power run plus topsail with a little bit of stability. I mean, they're, they are very similar, but it's trying to, you know, hit the right type of feel for the right type of, of run. Um, and if there's ways to delineate those two a little bit more, maybe it's, you know, create a more uh, softer or, or funner version of the ride or create something that's, you know, families up more torn to endorphin with the shift. Um, something that's even faster who knows that's that i loved both the shoes so i'm kind of reaching you know <laughs> but that was a great question uh any other thoughts or questions from anybody i would say if, if we were if we're allowed since it sounds like we're allowed to do two the Gunvar would be my oh, 
given the the versatility and I'd be very interested to take a crack at going, how can we keep this versatility yet continue to move it forwards? Because there's a very, that is a shoe that has a huge, a unique following and trying to help that shoe evolve without losing those people and yet gaining more, I think would be a very interesting process. It's a unique challenge. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tough shoe. Um, yeah. Those, you know, cult classics, historical shoes that just, you know, people love and, you know, every year you update it and, you know, there's, there's a group of people that, you know, you did something wrong and there's a group of people that love it. Like think back to the 10 when we put the, uh, the heel pods in as like a nod back to the, the one people were, it was blowing their minds. Like, what are these pods in the back heel? And it's like, guys, that's integrated to the soccer to the Kimvara DNA like that's an OG uh attribute there but but yeah it's a it's one where it's it was revolutionary you know 10 years ago and now it's it's kind of more of that workhorse that staple shoe within the line but keeping it fresh and keeping it um modern is is definitely a a, a tough a tough ask and and but it's fun I mean that's one of the things that we get to get to do and I think you'll be pleased when you see the 12. Looking forward to it. I, had a, a, I have a patient who knows who she is, but I can't say her name, um, who was very pleasantly surprised by the Kinvara 11. She's only ever worn that shoe since she started running. So it's the Kinvara series. She, uh, I remember when the 10 came out and she had it, she burst into tears. I like the 10. I thought it was great, but she was not so happy. And so luckily it seems like from what I understand now, the more I know her, she kind of has this, this interesting relationship with Kinvara. She seems to like cry one version. The next person's great cry. So <laughs> to see what happens, it, it definitely has that following. That's it's interesting. Yeah. And, and there are, I mean, there are people that are like the seven and the, uh, the six, mm -hmm. like, you know and then the Kimbar three like there are just certain years where like Kimbar lovers love or hate them i mean the uh the nine seemed like it was uniformly like universally loved by all and the 10 was you know hit or miss some people loved it some people hated it um but it's it still keeps turning around and and the uh the 11 this year has really been a great shoe for us it's it's been a workhorse it's delivered on some some phenomenal numbers and i see it out out there all the time. Um, I can't run in four millimeters the way some people can. I've had Achilles and planner issues, um, mm -hmm. but I still throw it on every once in a while. And it just, it's a, it's a fun shoe to run in. And I think that's what people like is they like that nimbleness, the lightness, the cushion. It just, it's one of the shoes you can do everything in and it's only 110 bucks. It's not going to yeah. break the bank. Yeah. For today's market. Yeah. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining us to, tonight. Um, you being out on the East Coast, it is quite late over on your end. So we appreciate, we appreciate you giving us time on a weekend. Um, if anybody who's watching or listening has any questions, please feel free to reach out to us um, at Doctors of Running. You can check us out on our website, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, podcast. We're starting to have, spread ourselves maybe too thin.
because we don't know what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, please check us out uh, and please subscribe and leave us comments. Let us know what we can be doing to help you guys uh, learn more about your footwear or running. Uh, we're just here to help you out. Take care, everybody. That is not true that we don't know what we're doing. We have some very cool stuff coming, so stay tuned.